What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rambling Viking Podcast. We're doing another edition of Bible Talk, specifically talking Easter today because that's what we are celebrating, aka the Christian Super Bowl. <laughs> that was a thought I had about today. I was like, you know, for Christians, this is like the Super Bowl, right? Jesus came back, he raised from the dead, he fulfilled the prophecy, he, you know, redeemed the world effectively and uh, brought us into uh, a new age, if you will, spiritually in a lot of ways. And so. <laughs> And so it's like, boom! It's it's the Super Bowl. It's a big deal. Now, for those of you who will argue with me and say, argue with me and say, no, it's Christmas, because you know Christmas has a lot more fanfare, uh, and feels and in a lot of ways can feel a little more tangible. You know, being the birth, and I think it's just as important because you can't die if you weren't born. And well, hmm, that's a weird way of putting that. If you, yeah, we, we won't worry about that right now, but, and you know, Easter's more of a day, it is kind of season, but it's really more of a day slash weekend and yada, 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 yada. So I get the whole, but when you really look at that, I mean, the significance there, I, I think is, it works out. We're not going to, that's not what we're here to talk about is argue what, what the Christian Super Bowl is. It was just a funny comment I wanted to make. So get off my back. No, <laughs> but with that being said, you know, today is, uh, I like that Bible talk episode we did last time where we saw, you know, what could we pull from this? What, uh, you know, what it entails? Just, I don't know. I enjoyed it, right? So uh, today it was on Luke 24. So I'm really going to be grifting or paraphrasing from the sermon today at my church. And I will double check that I can link to it because uh, they, they stream it on YouTube. So it should, the video, full video should be up there. So I should be able to link to that. And you can go and watch the sermon for yourself. And and actually get the full message, but because I'm going to be doing a paraphrase version with a lot of my own thoughts, but I'm I'm taking a lot of points from the sermon, and then I've also got a couple of quirky thoughts that I had in the middle of the sermon where I pulled out my notes and was like, "This is funny, uh, funny to me at least." Or like, "This is weird. I wonder what this is." And and you know, I have this note out on my phone, and there's people where I'm sitting in a kind of the, the more the balcony today because it was packed. And so the people behind me can effectively see over my shoulder. And I'm just thinking, man, I hope they're not reading this too. Uh, Cause I'm just sitting here taking weird notes. And if they can read these at all, they'd be like, what is this guy doing? Like pay attention. You, you heathen. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I did it anyways. So it was in Luke 24, which is obviously covering the resurrection something, and something and an interesting moment that I think for me, feels like it maybe gets overlooked a little bit. Now, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's brought up every time, but it's something that's interesting because you always think about the resurrection. You know, he gets resurrected and then he appears to all the disciples in Jerusalem, but it, it actually kind of culminated, at least in Luke, with appearing to these two guys, which one of which is only named, who are from uh, Emmaus, about seven miles away, which I don't think it's a coincidence. It's about seven miles away. Uh, you know, the Bible numbers is very intentional. Seven is God's number. So interesting thought, but and, you know, these two guys, and then he goes into how he appeared to his disciples. So it's interesting. One of those things that details that I'm seeing more and more, especially in the last year and a half, two years, seeing all these details. And I'm like, man, how have I not like, I'm someone who's grown up like Christian school, grown up in the church. Like, you know, so I've, I thought I heard everything in the Bible there is to hear. And, and you know, I guess it, maybe it's like going back and watching Disney movies or movies you watch as a kid when you're older and you see all these new details. Maybe that's what it is. Probably. But who knows exactly, right? So we'll, we'll, we'll read through it. And I'll probably just go ahead and read all of 24. But it really didn't cover. He covered, I guess, co most of it, like three quarters of it, but not the complete 
uh, complete thing. So that's what we'll do here. But verse 20, Luke 24, we'll just uh, we'll dive right into it. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. So, we'll read through the whole thing. That very day, two of them were going to the village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this, con- what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Cleopas, uh, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back, saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with, who, who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So it's kind of funny. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if they were going further, as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. And they told what had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. And then, as they were, sorry, whoops, (laughs) Jesus appears to his disciples. I I hesitated on reading the next subheading. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself? Touch me and see. For a spirit doesn't have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And we had, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and, mar- and were marveling, he said to them, 
Have you here? Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took and ate before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and the repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the, till, stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Whew, that was a lot. There was a lot of straight reading, a lot of... A lot of stuff there, but uh, it's broken up in three parts. You have the initial resurrection with Mary's uh, finding them, finding the tomb empty, delivering it, then the two men on the road to Emmaus, and then back in Jerusalem, appearing to his disciples specifically. So big notes here. Well, we'll start with quirky notes. We'll get there. I'll just insert them in the middle, right? So it starts... Uh, on the first day of the week at early dawn. So first day of the week then is Sunday. So part parcel why, you know, where Sunday came from, they went to the tomb and, you know, they were going to do some rituals and they found it rolled away. So we see that the, the women who were with Jesus find him and, or, or find that it's empty and they speak to the angel and they go back and they tell them, but the words, it says these words seem to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. So, I mean, you have to think about this though, is like the, the, the perspective for the Jews there was that the Christ was going to be more of an overt, if you want to use this word, militaristic overthrow and uh, not redemption, but liberation. There's the word. And, you know, he was just killed the man that they thought was going to do that was killed not understanding really what it was about and you know this is a real hard time they all went to hiding you had peter deny him and you know in those days bodies do get stolen and, and such and so they go back and sell them these things and everyone just kind of blows them off they're like you're crazy right it, it's it's kind of it's really despairing in a lot of ways you know it's you see this and they go back and they try and share the tale and they nobody believes them now here's here's the interesting thing close out though was saying but peter rose and ran to the tomb stopping looking in he saw the linen cloths by themselves and he went home marveling at what had happened so he saw them he he went and checked for himself and unlike the women though i mean he didn't see a vision of an angel he didn't go back and say hey i went and checked he is gone he just went home and he marveled. He pondered on these things. And so that's, that's one interesting thing that really stuck out to me personally. There is that looking at this, you know, you see the women, they see the vision and they go and do this. And, and one interesting contextual note that I learned today, you know, about interest about ancient women in culture. A lot of times is what's significant about this is, is women being the first to deliver the word because women in a lot of instances weren't, weren't uh, seen as reliable or able to give testimony in trials or, or, or courts or hearings or things like that. I mean, in a lot of, in, in certain aspects, they were second class citizens. And so for the women to come back and report this, it wouldn't be too unexpected for them to be like, ah, these are just some crazy tales. But at the same time, them being the chosen vehicle to initially see this and part and parcel due, I think, to the fact that they, these women were always with Jesus is, uh, 
is interesting, right? And you see this more throughout the Bible. When you look at uh, Matthew, I believe it is, when they go through Jesus's lineage, you have Tamar, who is um, mentioned. You have Rahab mentioned. Like what would normally be a blemish on a genealogy, God used, you know, is used in, in Scripture to be significance. And so, really, the message being is that there's no there's no one too small or too too even, you know, it's. It's not, it's not the picture perfect person with the white picket, you know, it's not the white picket fence situation that, that he works through. It's, it's these, these quirky, unexpected situations, the nobodies, the, 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 the unimportant people. And then, you know, you have these women going out and proclaiming this and you have Peter just going back. So it's kind of like that situation where he doesn't want to say anything, but I'm sure he's, he's working through what's going on. But then, you know, you fast forward and you have these, we go to the road to, to Emmaus. And so we only know, uh. Cleopas, um, who is is one of them, but these were people who discipled after Jesus, and they were probably in Jerusalem for Passover, and then they saw all that had happened, and you know, same sort of scenario. They're downtrodden. They're saying this was supposed to be the Christ, and this or and this happened, and and all is lost, and kind of hope is not going. And this this is where one of my quirky thoughts came in. I, I look at this and I go, so Jesus straight up went undercover boss on these boys. He, he showed up, they didn't recognize him. And of course, the first thing that I think of is the, is the cheesy version that SNL did with Adam driver, where he's Kylo Ren and he's undercover boss, but it's blatantly obvious. Uh, it's more, it's, it's in some ways now here, you know, he says their eyes weren't open to him, but he basically comes up and he's like, you know, what, what are you guys talking about? And they're like, everybody knows. Are you seriously like the one person who has no idea what's going on? And he's like, well, yeah, don't tell me about it. And they tell him about it. And then he proceeds to then I mean, he goes to the beginning to Moses and just works his way through to educate them on like, hey, here's all the prophecies in the scripture, like pointing it. He is basically giving them the breakdown of him. And so it's really fun. I just thought about that. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I just picture like the undercover boss thing, but an ancient, ancient, like Israel, ancient times and, you know, first century times. And, <laughs> and like, I think this could be a really funny sketch to do and maybe add in some humor, but uh, do do a little like undercover boss road to Emmaus type situation where, <laughs> where uh, where Jesus is sitting here uh, doing this, and you know it's interesting though that he walked with him this whole way, and he and he just he unfolds it piece by piece, and and goes through everything, not wasting. And you think about it like seven miles probably isn't that far, but when if you think about let's say they walk three point two miles an hour, which is uh, when you're doing calculations, that's walking speed. It's you know, that's, you're looking at a little over two hours worth of walking if it's seven miles. And I don't know what the terrain's like down there. So it could be rugged. So it could be more two and a half, three hours. I bet he used all of that. Now, the interesting point that uh, the sermon hit on was, you know, when he, when they drew near to the village, which they were going, he acted if he were going further, but they urged him strongly saying, stay with us. And he did. And so it was an interesting point where he looked at this and he said, you know, Jesus it was his intention to keep going. He was there and, and and right there with him. But when not, he did not stay until they asked him and kind of, you know, that that's intentional, right? There's purpose there. That's the thing that I always think about is like, there's not just from the, the spiritual standpoint of like what you can kind of pull out of it, but literary, like the Bible is written. Everything that is in there is intentional, has a purpose and is written for in a certain way for a reason, so on and so forth. So with this, 
you know, you see this was very intentional, but this is a, a very clear parallel to uh, the gospel message, what it is at its heart, you know, is is he 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 didn't in, interject himself into there saying, hey, I'm coming over. He didn't say, let me stay with you. He was going on and they it was them reaching out. Now, he was ready and willing and he went into their house and then he did something in ancient cultures would, would be weird where the guest blesses and breaks bread. You know, that's the host job, right? As the guest, the hospitality was a, was a huge thing in those times in that if you were hosting someone, you, you, I mean, you pull out all the stops for them. That was a, it's a big part of their culture. And something that I do relish about that culture a, a little bit more is I think that we've lost some of that. Now in the South, I think there's versus like say the Northeast, I think there's a little bit more of that. But I, I think in our modern Western culture, we've really lost a lot of the hospitality aspect. I mean, I even find myself struggling with it. And, and But I want to be hospitable in the sense of, you know, give freely. Come in, you come into my house, come and hang out with me. My house is your house. Relax. You know, you don't, don't feel like you have to ask me for every little thing. If you do anything, make, people always say, you know, make yourself at home. And sometimes I'm like, do you really mean that? Or are you just saying that to be nice? But uh, I, I take people at their word, and then sometimes someone's like, hey, chill out. Uh, not really. Uh, because when I make myself at home, I get into comfortable clothes when I get home, a.k.a. athletic shorts and probably no shirt and no shoes. Uh, no, I won't do that if I come over to your house. Well, depends on who you are. Some people, yes, but it's, it's an established friendship and thing, so it's like cool. It's fine. But uh, not, not, if it, not in the first go around. But he... But that was that was one point that I really pulled out from this this scripture here is that you know he he was he was ready and willing but it was on them to invite him and and I think that's very relevant that is essentially you know the message at hand is that ready and willing uh, and, and, and he had just given them all the the knowledge about it. he they knew it and they trusted in him but it, they had to they had to take that step. And then he took that step. And when they took that step, he went in and broke bread. And then as soon as they recognized him, gone, vanished, crazy, which is, it's just crazy to think about. First of all, just on a literal level, like I imagine being at my table and someone comes over and like, and as soon as they're like, all right, cool. I'd like picturing, you know, holding classic break bread, you break the bread. And then it's like, and we're like, ah, and we recognize him like, oh my gosh. And then they're just gone right for my, you want to talk about freaked out. Oh my God. Gosh, but then here's the crazy thing. So it was probably a couple hour walk and it was getting into the evening. They immediately then go back up and head back the couple hours and probably walking a little bit faster to Jerusalem. So they're not getting there until late night. And they, yeah, and they told them what happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. And it doesn't say anything about their, their response, but and the other thing that notices too is that, you know, after that, it was it was kind of that hindsight's twenty twenty. They said to each other after this, "Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened us opened to us the scriptures?" You know, so even there was something on the inside, but they they still couldn't, you know, they couldn't even see it until until that culmination, until he was revealed to them. They did not connect all the dots, and you know, it comes back to. This is a true in a lot in a lot of ways. It, what it ultimately comes down to is, is faith. You can know everything you need to know about this, but you got to trust and you got to take that step. And here's where here's where my weird thought came in because at this point we we've, we've heard one story from the pastor, um, and now 
and and then we get into the second story. And so I'm sitting there, and, and I've had this thought a lot, but I've never vocalized it too. But with all these stories that, that every pastor has, you know, they always have stories that they pull mess, pull from to use in their messages. And I think I love it I because that's how I operate. I, I'm an analogy. You know this if you listen to me. I'm an analogy heavy. Like everything's an analogy. That's just how I – I feel it helps you full, understand things fuller if you can put it into something you directly interact with and it's tangible to you like for me you know i'm a big sports guy you put it into a sports analogy even if it's something that's not necessarily super complex but just putting it into that terms a lot of times can just i believe help you more fully understand it make it maybe make it more real to you in a lot of ways because we operate in such a disconnected way in general like if it's talking about you know bio um you know, bioengineering or or civil engineering and it's like if I can put that in the form of like a basketball play I can maybe understand it a little bit better put it into my own terms right that's just how my brain goes though so uh, I'll actually kind of paraphrase so the first story was about this guy who um, his aunt I guess towards the end of her life wrote him a letter and I think this was in like the 1800s or something but he wrote, wrote, wrote him a letter asking about you know is there is there more to is death the end or is there more to this and this guy I think was a minister and he was raised by this aunt his I'm, but- I'm going to butcher this, of course. You need to you know, watch the sermon or at least fast forward and find this part. But he, um, his parents died and so his aunt takes him in and he gets picked up at the train station and he's disappointed. And he's like six years old because the, her, his aunt wasn't there. It was her worker who came to pick him up. But they get on the horse and they ride and they start going through this dark, dense forest. And he's worried that, you know, his aunt isn't going to be, isn't going to be awake when they get there and all this stuff. And then the worker stops him and says, hey, she is, she is, we're going to come into this clearing. We're going to see her house and her light is in the window as it will always be. And she will be there waiting for you. And then they got there. And he saw the light like he said he did. And she was there and greeted him with open arms and raised him. And so it's it's kind of step by step. It was a path, right? You have the summons, meaning, uh, you know, he, it, it happened and his aunt said, I'll take you in. And then you have that. It, it can be hard a lot of times, but the and the path there may be a little bit arduous and you may be, um, you know, there may be doubts and hesitations, but that light, the candle will be in the window signifying that, you know, he is there waiting there. There is something more to it, right? It was a really cool way to tie it in. So even he had a pastoral moment. Now that is being used in a pastoral moment. It's just, it's exponentially pastoral. But, and then, and then he proceeded to tell another more personal story that I won't give the details on about trusting a rope bridge and yada, yada, yada. But he, I sit there and I go, man, there's gotta be like a resource I, I use the term like encyclopedia or, or reference book where that that's for that's pat that's for pastor by pastors for pastors. That is just stories with scripture. So you know how you get a study Bible a lot of times and it's and it has all the commentary and it has references to different verses. So it's like, hey, also look at this verse, this verse, because they all, you know, they're they're relevant, they tie in. So I think of that, but it's instead of that, it's like stories that tie into the message. So it's like, hey, we're preaching on Luke 24. And so like he goes to Luke 24. And and so what I think of it is is uh, sermonstories.org or .net, .com, whatever, dot .something, dot .god. And <laughs> sermonstories.god. And you go there and it's like you – you can type in any, you say, Hey, I'm going to preach on Luke 24. And it says, boom, Luke 24. And then with certain parts of the text, it says, here's a story. Here's, here's a list of stories that you can choose from. Cause like some of these stories aren't, 
it's not like let me google search story like they're they're specific they're kind of obscure but they tie in and i'm just like like surely i'm sure you you do that every week you're gonna eventually figure out a you're gonna figure out you're gonna find more 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 tie-ins from just like everyday stories but b like you're gonna you're gonna be able to find a system of like here's where i find stories but i gotta feel like i really feel like there's 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 some like catalog or network that that pastors can use to to share stories. So if there's any pastors or anybody who who has an inside track to this that knows anything, let me know if if that's the case cuz cuz I, I got to know, but I feel like you got to be a pastor to know about it, you know, so it's kind of exclusive. It's like they don't just let any old person do it. Um once you're in the pastors they you know they bring you in and say, "Hey, here's here's sermon stories dot god here's your password here's your username and password to get in or here's the password to get in the the access code it's it's all encrypted otherwise and then and then boom you get all these stories and you can just have at it and they'll and you know there's a log of like hey here's you know here's the most popular story but then here's some other ones and these people use these stories and you could even have reviews like on amazon uh, but this is what happened mid sermon for me, a lot of these thoughts. And so, uh, this is what I deal with. So for those of you who have weird, quirky, random thoughts in the middle of a sermon and then start feeling bad because you're like, wow, I'm really ungodly right now. I'm really a heathen, not paying attention. I'm, 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 and it's like, like I'm an adult. I'm in my twenties. I'm supposed to be adult about this before we get, let's not kid ourselves. Our minds are still our minds. I'm 14 in so many ways. And <laughs> a lot of times. So, uh, you're not alone. You're not the only one. And, uh, it's not the end of the world. I still got a lot of good stuff out of the sermon and also got a little chuckle too. So some good thoughts and that made for good podcast commentary, but yeah, so that was my thought there mid sermon. And then, and then I checked back in. So that's the important thing is make sure to check back in. Don't get too far down the rabbit hole. And that's why I was like, I'm gonna write this down and we'll, we'll, we'll work this out later on the pod beauties of a podcast and then so then after he appears to them then he appears to his disciples and you know at first they think he's kind of an apparition and he's like no no no, look at this i'm i'm you know i'm it's me check my hands and my feet see the holes i have and you know then he then he took something to eat which also showed he was physically there and then he did the same thing that he did for the guys on the road to emmaus and he walked them through all the scriptures basically it was like, all right, here, I'm going to lay it all out for you and, and kind of prepping the way. And then he goes to specifically to the prophecies about this and then kind of gives him the foreshadowing for Pentecost. So truth be told here, that's uh, really most of what I got. I pretty sure I missed uh, most of the points from the sermon because uh, it's been a while. It's the evening as I'm recording this and this was in the morning and there's been I, I've so much has happened since then and I should have taken more notes if I cared. Oh no, that's not if I, but, uh, but I, but I was busy taking notes about, you know, undercover boss, Jesus and sermon stories dot God. So that's where we're at, but yeah, but it, he just, he, it's laying the groundwork for that. And then after that is the ascension, and blessing them, but it's just, it's a powerful story. And I mean, this is what, this is what Easter is all about, right? Is she's coming, he dies on the cross and the resurrection, something that I, that I heard today in classes outside of sermon from someone who he, someone in our class that presented it. He said, you know, a lot of times we always say, you know, Jesus died, Jesus died for your sins and we leave it there. But 
equally, if not more important, is he died and was resurrected, right? That is the full fulfillment, the full act there. But what we see here is, you know, it's it, it's that call to ultimately come come to him and he sets the disciples straight saying, you know, you're going or sets the stage for them and, and basically is prepping them because he is going to leave. And now you're, you're having this new age come into existence with Christianity specifically that he has come and his kingdom being established here on earth through us. So great message all in all, uh, wish everyone a happy Easter. I really enjoyed it. And I think, um, this is, while I, you know, I was, it was really more about the text as far as me pulling out and some quirky thoughts, but uh, I thought it was a great message and I think it's good, something good to review that, you know, he is risen and it's not just about coloring eggs, but, <laughs> but he, but he is, he is risen. And now contextually, what's great about it is, you know, we, you think of Easter, you think of those bright pastel colors. I'm also grifting this from the sermon, but in that time, it was very much a real tragedy, right? That was not like it, Easter is happy being on the other side of it, being in the hindsight. But really, in that time, it was mournful and it was hard. And there was, you know, everyone, it was kind of like all hope is lost, right? It's like, it's almost like missing the buzzer beater, right? It comes down, it comes down to the wire, you miss the buzzer beater, or the other team makes a buzzer beater. And you're like, oh, well, you know, I thought we had it in the bag. I thought it was sure fire. And then it, then it wasn't. And you figure out there's a technicality with PEDs on the other team and you win by forfeit and you're like, sweet, still champs. So <laughs> not really. There was no no technicalities here. Only the legitimate resurrection causing, bringing the perfect sacrifice um, and fulfilling the law and the prophets, all of the entire Old Testament. What did he say? There were 333 references to um, directly to Jesus' uh, death and resurrection in the Old Testament. No, I didn't pull all of those, but you can in your own free time. But thanks everybody for listening. I hope you enjoyed this. Hope you had a happy Easter. And it's just uh, I just wanted to you know do this Bible talk, walk through it. Let me know if you enjoy this episode. If there's ways you want to see it changed, I've linked to the full sermon in the in the notes so you can get the full message. Uh, I gave a very much paraphrased, rough, what I would call not adequate or true. Um, We'll just call it subpar. We'll just say I gave my thoughts on the scripture that was preached today with a little bit of um, dropping in some trailers. Think of it like a trailer, but not not really that good of a trailer. It shows you parts that aren't super central or to, to the story maybe necessarily. I don't know what I'm saying. I struggle. But no, send send uh, send anything, any thoughts into the Ramley Viking at gmail.com or text them in 580-789-9258. Happy Easter, everyone, and we'll see you next time.